This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from markfiore.com, The David Pakman Show, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, The Rachel Maddow Show, Throwing Shade, and The Jimmy Dore Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode contains both profanity and bigotry, and it's up to you to decide which is more offensive. Dog boy! Dog boy! Yes, sir, Mr. Dan! Where have you been? Celebrating Obama's slightly delayed civil rights triumph. You mean his attack on society, God, and the Bible? Ooh, I didn't know he did all that. The Bible is very clear about this, dog boy. Oh, you mean the part about not eating shrimp? No, the relationship part. Oh, between an ass and an ox? No, not that part. The part about traditional marriage. Oh, and wives submitting to their husband lords. Face it, dog boy. Your man Obama is a sinner. We need Mitt Romney in there to stand for morality. Hmm, like the morality of bullying a gay teen and forcibly cutting his hair? You full indiscretion, if it happened at all, dog boy. But, but the Bible says you're not supposed to cut hair. Dog boy, you can't take the Bible literally. Oh, so as long as we treat others as we want to be treated, it's moral and good, right? Well, unless you're a gay or lesbian trying to get married, that's dirty and evil. It's right there in the Bible. So sometimes we do take the Bible literally. Yes, I suppose the Sodom and Gomorrah eternal hellfire part. What about the obedient slaves part? No, dog boy, it's... The no pork part? The too literal dog boy. The no blended fabrics part? No, that's just... The no tattoos part. Ah, no. Eating food. What? Stealing an ass. No, dog boy. Oh, stoning disobedient kids. Ah, oh, dog boy. The part about the camel. Dog boy. Oh, oh, the part about boiling a young goat! Too literal, dog boy. Mr. Dan, wake up, Mr. Dan. We haven't gotten to the part about the concubines yet. I think you'll like that part, Mr. Dan. Mr. Dan! Brian Fisher, known to you as anti-gay Brian Fisher, of uh, the American Family Association and Focal Point Radio, so on and so forth, he has tweeted out that children of same-sex couples should be saved through an underground railroad-style kidnapping. Now, he refers to it as an underground railroad-style kidnapping. The American Family Association's Brian Fisher is really getting to a new low, Lewis, I would say, with his anti-gay statements. I've actually noticed that since President Obama has been elected president, the tolerance level, or what the right-wingers are comfortable with as far as racist and anti-gay comments, has really escalated for some reason. And I think that there's a connection there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we're close to hitting the ceiling. I mean, the next step is just talking about killing them. Yeah. And we're not far from that. We've had it already. I mean, we, t- we had the, the pastor, Worley, Worley, right. from one of the Carolinas, I think it was, talking about putting uh, gays and lesbians in pens and then letting them die out and all this, all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Long story short, Brian Fisher was referring to, in a tweet, this horrible story about Lisa Miller, who went through the completely debunked bogus ex-gay therapy and after declaring herself ex-gay, kidnapped her daughter away to Central America to prevent her former partner from having any custody. Now, of course, the ex-gay therapy itself could drive you to do something like that. Uh, certainly, we can't uh, make any, any evaluations of that. Brian Fisher thinks that the, that and one other story are perfect examples of why the children of same-sex parents should be kidnapped for their own protection. It's, in other words, they're kind of like slaves that need to be rescued, to use the Underground Railroad illusion. Now, of course, this is incredibly dangerous and ridiculous rhetoric, which potentially could do great harm. Imagine, as we know, if you're anti-gay, you're probably less concerned with logic and reason and critical thinking than if you are uh, in favor of gay rights. That, I think, we've established very clearly on this show. Yes. Therefore, it stands to reason that you could very realistically be influenced into simply kidnapping a kid after seeing what Brian Fisher says. This is hugely dangerous stuff. Right, and somehow that this will help the kid as opposed to traumatize the kid. Uh, Once again, just a complete lack of of critical thinking. Let me take it a step further. Is advocating for the illegal kidnapping of children that much different than advocating for the molestation of children if through some crazed logic you think it would actually be good for the kid? Is it that different, really? I'm pretty sure NAMBLA members claim that uh, that type of thing is good for children. Yeah, it's probably not unprecedented that that we have people claiming that. And by the way, I know many kids who had terrible messed up childhoods and their parents were straight. Mm -hmm. Well, they were probably just in the closet, right? They were probably really gay. Well, that's got to be it. Or maybe they were ex-gay. Who knows? And it was a failed conversion. There are certainly, uh, well, has there ever been a successful <laughs> conversion? If you believe a former Navy chaplain, Gordon Klingenschmidt, he's got a 50% success rate in exercising gay demons. That's not very good, 50%. Well, it's about as good as chance that somebody might just not actually be gay that you've identified as gay. Hmm. Yeah, true. When, an, when your exorcism technique is as good as, as uh, flat-out uh, chance, you have to call into question what you're doing, don't you? Perhaps he just needs to improve his exorcism skills. And I know there's no such thing as ghosts, but I have seen the demon host. Hi everyone, just a quick note to let you know that the Best of the Left is nominated for several awards this year, and you can help support the show by voting for us. You can vote once daily for the Stitcher Awards at stitcher.com slash stitcherawards until November 5th. Voting for the Podcast Awards at podcastawards.com just started on November 1st, where you can vote daily for the Best of the Left in the Best Produced category as well as the News and Politics category. Consider doing what I've done and set a daily alarm to remind yourself to vote and promote all of your favorite shows in all the various categories. Thanks so much for your support. Seventeen-year-old Ryan Anderson was supposed to win an award uh, as an Eagle Scout. However, he was denied that award because of the fact that he is gay. He recently came out and uh, the 
Boy Scouts decided, well, we can't have gay people. So. Right, we can't give you an award, even though you earned it, because you're gay. First of all, that's both funny and horrible story at the same time. Second of all, he built a wall of tolerance. Yeah. Okay, no, how awesome is it that they're like, great job on the wall of tolerance. Oh my God, you're gay? Knock that wall of tolerance down. Yeah. And then they, you know, obviously strip him of his award and his uh, Boy Scoutness. Mm-hmm. Boy Scoutity. <laughs> is that how it is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I understand. Now, look, we've gone through this story before. Boy Scouts, private organization. We think they have the right to do whatever they want. I wouldn't encourage people I don't. to sign up. I don't. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It's great. I, I mean, think that. Yes. I mean, it depends. I mean, if they get one moment where they're invited to a national park, do anything. I mean, if they're not letting gays in, then we treat them like the clan. They're not the clan, but we don't. We don't. We're not involved with that. In, in You're saying as long as there's discrimination, we apply the laws that, as we would to anybody to that is dis- discriminating. Right. And hence the extreme example of the Klan be- right. because they discriminate, obviously. Right. I mean, I already regret saying that, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I do. Yeah. You're saying that as long as it's a case of discrimination and the federal government isn't at all involved, and then you'd have to get into, is, does any of their funding come from the federal government? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not at the level you are. I mean, if they're driving on a federal highway, I'm not pulling them over and saying you're banned. Okay, but they get federal money. Oh, hell no. They're, then, they're, then, the, they're the preeminent. I mean, first of all, what's up with the Boy Scouts, just in general? Uh-huh. Like, look at that kid. Like, he seems like a great kid. That's a ridiculous costume you have on. You look like it's Halloween. <laughs> all right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's old school. It's old school, you know? That, yeah. Back then, ni- in 1950s, that's, that was a great outfit. You were uh, yeah. rocking it then. Yeah, I realize. It's 2012. It's time to... Enough with the Boy Scouts. Oh, I want to bring it back to the point about discrimination, because they're not just discriminating against uh, gay members of their organization. They don't let women be scoutmasters. They don't let atheists participate. And not only... I mean, y- you can... Uh, discuss this on a legislative level, but you also need to consider the fact that they're teaching these kids that there is an other group of people that are less than them. And you have five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds in this organization that are learning through these policies that there are people that are less than them. I think that's the bigger danger. By the way, this kid, uh, Ryan Anderson, who built the wall of tolerance and then was shown tremendous intolerance by the Boy Scouts, became a a scout when he was six. Uh So it's like his, his whole cognitive life is as a scout. He claims also that um, his scout leader knew that he was gay and it was kind of shocking to him that uh, they denied him that award. But I just find it very hypocritical for the Boy Scouts to be investigated for the perversion files. And then they turn around and they judge other people for their lifestyles. Right. And they, they said he's no longer eligible for membership in scouting because he has violated the principle of his duty to God. You know what, then? Thanks, God. <laughs> <laughs> now, I hear you guys. But you know what the funny thing is? I still haven't changed my position. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, again, they take federal money, which if you, I, you know, we've done the story a number of times. I forget if they do. If they do, then I, oh. then I say they're not allowed to discriminate. But you've got to allow religious organizations who I totally disagree with. I'm agnostic. They would kick me out if they knew. They're, uh, they're not the a day. religious organization. They have a little religion in the organization. They're not a religious organization. So what? It's not a church. They're still allowed to have any organization You're that has a little religion, a lot of religion. I get it. We all get it. You can right. be in the clan. Uh-huh. The Boy Scouts can be with it. Let's stop talk. Stop revering them in any way. They're bigots. That's totally fair. They're bigots, yes, and I'm, I'm done with them. And they're silly, and they shouldn't be invited to anything. And it should be shunned. And we should tell young kids get out of the Scouts. It's a terrible, horrible organization. You got no business in it. Be done with the Scouts as America. Done with the Scouts. No moment in any legislature across the country where we thank the Boy Scouts. Screw the Boy Scouts.
Well, that's been part well, of the all right, issue. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, look, so that bottom line is funding and banning and legislation is one thing. Shunning. Shunning is a different thing. Time to shun. And, and if, they, if they shun these young kids because of who they are, Shouldn't we at least shun them for who they are? Exactly. These are this is just a professional bullying organization, the Boy Scouts. Boy Scout got a drought now. He's a eagle scout. More wood, we look good now. Do the Robin Hood. Get that bear, but beware. You're not allowed to swear it now. Oh, 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 Federal uh, Appeals Court Chief Judge Dennis Jacobs, apparently a very conservative judge. He um, he was one of the uh, the judges that declared corporations immune to international human rights law. <clears throat> has authored an opinion striking down the Defense of Marriage Act as unconstitutional. We conclude a review of Section 3 of DOMA requires heightened scrutiny. The Supreme Court uses certain factors to decide whether a new classification qualifies as a quasi-suspect class. They include, A, whether the class has been historically subjected to discrimination, B, whether the class has a defining characteristic that frequently bears a relation to ability to perform or contribute to society, see whether the class exhibits obvious, immutable, or distinguishing characteristics that define them as a discrete group, and D, whether the class is a minority or politically powerless. Immutability and lack of political power are not strictly necessary factors to identify a suspect class. Nevertheless, immutability and political power are indicative, and we consider them here. In this case, all four factors justify a heightened scrutiny. In other words, this allows the court to look at a, a statute passed by Congress with a more uh, jaundiced eye. The court is less willing to overturn an act of Congress unless there are special circumstances. In this case, those special circumstances require heightened scru scrutiny because of the class of people or the existence of a specific class as defined by, um, by those four points I just mentioned. And the court has found that yes, the bar has been passed here because of who this affects for us to give uh, this law even more scrutiny than we normally would. Instead of our normal deference that we would provide to something that has been duly passed by Congress, we are going to look at this more specifically. And Jacobs is saying not only that the Defense of Marriage Act, which essentially says the normal uh, uh, laws that apply to one state recognizing the legal marriage of another state will be superseded by essentially a federal statute that says you don't have to recognize that because it's the defense of marriage. Uh, that the court here is saying that DOMA imposes a unique and unconstitutional burden on a specific group, i.e., gay people 
who want to get married. He's saying that any attempt by government to discriminate against gay people must have an exceedingly persuasive justification. And it doesn't. So they have found this unconstitutional. The next debate is the vice presidential debate between Vice President Joe Biden and Congressman Paul Ryan. It is set for next Thursday. In Vice President Biden's debate practice sessions, he's got Democratic Congressman Chris Van Hollen of Maryland playing the role of Paul Ryan for the purpose of practice. In Mr. Ryan's debate practices, the role of Vice President Joe Biden is being played by celebrated conservative attorney and former George W. Bush Solicitor General Ted Olson. But Ted Olson is not your average former Bush administration official. He is the former Bush administration official who's been leading the legal effort to overturn California's ban on gay marriage, and maybe every state's ban on gay marriage. He is very, 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 very conservative, but he is on the pro-gay side of this marriage fight. Today at NYU's law school, I got a chance to interview Ted Olson and his co-counsel, the celebrated Democratic attorney, David Boies. They fought against each other in Bush v. Gore in the 2000 election, but they are fighting together on the side of marriage equality in this federal case. And Ted Olson is the one, of course, who sticks out like a sore thumb here. He's a straight, married guy. He does not have a gay family member who has driven him to this decision. He's just decided as a rock-ribbed, conservative, small-government, Republican stalwart that marriage equality for gay people is a really important issue for the country and therefore for him. And despite the fact that his Republican Party is not with him on this issue pretty much at all, he is still very active in Republican politics. Again, he is the guy who's helping Paul Ryan prep for next week's vice presidential debate. I talked to um, Ted Olson and David Boies about it today. Watch. Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan are pledging a federal constitutional amendment to define marriage as only for straight people at the federal level, um, which is unchanged from a George W. Bush promise that went unfulfilled. Um, they're also promising uh, to defend DOMA with the Democrats stopping doing that right now under this administration. The House Republicans are defending DOMA. Why isn't the Republican Party following public opinion on this? And why would you want to elect Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan <laughs> in this circumstance, given how you feel about it? You may have overlooked the fact that for the last few weeks I've been um, Joe Biden. You are. So, um, <laughs> Mr. Olson has been playing the part of Joe Biden in Paul Ryan's debate prep, which will help Paul Ryan get better at debating, which will help him become <coughs> vice president, which would be bad for gay rights. Right. Or, or, Or it might simply persuade Ryan on this issue. And, and, and don't understate the possibility that dialogue and talking about these issues makes a difference. Not just 
independents and not just Democrats, but Republicans too. The tides are changing, attitudes are changing, and the way to change those attitudes is dialogue. And the way to change those attitudes is to talk to people about the fundamental right. And the way to deal with Republicans, in my opinion, is to say, we are the party of Abraham Lincoln. Let's not forget that. What are these? We say that. Let's live up to that. Let's think about our principles here. What is um, decency and privacy and respect? I can't talk about what happens in debate preparation, but when those issues, if they're issues, they come up in the preparation because they might come up in the debate. And you talk about those things, and I can argue at persuasively as I'm capable of arguing, because I'm Joe Biden now. <laughs> <laughs> and even if I was Ted Olson, I could make those arguments, and they have to listen, because they have to answer those arguments. And so I'm doing everything I possibly can to convince people of my party, because I think it's right for America. He went on to finish his thought there and got a huge round of applause from this very liberal pro-gay room. Um, in terms of the day-to-day -day news from the campaign, it's kind of an interesting point, right? I mean, the vice presidential debate is Thursday. Paul Ryan is prepping for that debate with a guy who is also arguing at the Supreme Court, if they agree to hear it this year, arguing passionately for a federal constitutional right to same-sex marriage. That's who he's debate prepping with. As you know, public opinion has been shifting fast on this issue. National polls now show a majority of Americans support gay couples' right to get married. But that ground appears to be shifting under the feet of the Republican Party. They are not moving nearly as fast as public opinion is. With this virulently anti-gay national platform for the Republican Party and a very, very anti-gay presidential and vice presidential uh, nominee, both, both spots on the ticket. The question of when Republican politics catch up with the national change in attitude on gay rights is a question that's getting closer and closer to being a culled question. Before now, being very anti-gay probably seemed to most Republican politicians, and many Democratic ones, like a very safe course, like maybe the only safe course. Over the past 15 years or so, there have been 35 statewide votes on marriage rights, and 34 of them have gone against gay rights. And the one exception, that was in Arizona, where voters rejected a gay marriage ban in 06, but then in 08, they turned around and changed their minds and voted for the gay marriage ban after all. So there have been zero victories overall for gay marriage rights at the ballot box in 33 states where it's been on the ballot. And, and now, before now, uh, every single time gay marriage rights were put on the ballot, that issue was put on the ballot by the anti-gay side, by the side that was confident in the country's anti-gay voting record and wanted to continue it. This year it's different. This year, for the first time ever, the pro-gay right side is so confident in how attitudes have changed that it is the pro-gay right side that has put marriage equality on the ballot for the first time ever because they are convinced they are going to win with voters. And it looks like they may be right. The latest polling on Maine's ballot initiative to legalize same-sex marriage shows gay marriage winning in Maine by anywhere from 8 points to 21 points. Both Maryland and Washington state this November will be voting on whether to keep marriage rights that were approved by the state legislatures there. In Maryland, the gay marriage ballot initiative is up by 10 points in the polls. And in Washington, support for gay marriage rights is up by 15 points. Gay marriage rights are also on the ballot in Minnesota this year. In that state, the polling is almost dead even. It's down by one at this point, but it's very close. Marriage equality so far has a really terrible record at the ballot box, but this year there is reason to believe that it might be different. What does that do to the Republican Party's politics on this issue?
Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Speaking of anti-gay bigotry, mega pastor Joel Osteen, who absolutely gives me the creeps, he was on CNN and he told Soledad O'Brien, listen, gays and lesbians aren't God's best. <laughs> Well, it's just, that's that's an interesting way to, to say it, because you're at least admitting that they're children of God. That's right. Yeah, God at least did create those people. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. This is uh, quite shocking. Here we go. Something about just speaking to, you know, the seeds of greatness that God's placed in all of us. Well, then let me ask you a question, because when you came on Piers Morgan's show a while ago, he asked you about homosexuality, Christianity, homosexuality, and almost every time we have a pastor on, it's a conversation we have. Yeah. And you, you are known for these uplifting ceremony services, and you talk to a lot of, it's like 45,000 people who attend. And I always wonder, when you are, you say homosexuality is a sin, and there's a bunch of people who clearly are, are gay who are, are in your church. You're calling them sinners. I mean, that. Well, so that. It's I the opposite of uplifting, I would it think. It does, but one, one, I don't necessarily <laughs> focus on that. I only talk about that on the interviews. The other thing, too, is it seems like in Christianity, sometimes we categorize sin. I mean, pride is a sin. Being critical is a sin. Being negative is a sin. The scripture even says anything that is not a faith is a sin. We're you all can sinners. Change. You'd say we're all no, sinners. We, yes. And so I think we so say, okay. Sexuality is not so bad, right? Well, I, I don't think it's God's best. Neither do I think, you know, we're being not, No prideful. one is God's best, no, right? we're all growing. I but, mean, so don't you think, though, that with the, with the country struggling with increasing acceptance of all its citizens and your, for basic fairness for everybody, that in situations where like we're trying to pass these marriage equality bills in certain states now that you ought to, you have an important voice to lend to that especially to kids who are maybe worried about who they are and where they fit in the community Great question well you know i think i have an important voice but i'm very i think i've been good i think part of my if you want to call it success is i've stayed in my lane and my lane is lifting people's spirits and their their issues well believe me there's nothing that would lift people's spirits more than young gay children hearing something positive, specifically positive, from Christian pastors like Joel Osteen than hearing negativity on CNN and, and as he calls it, silence or just not discussing it in his church. Despicable. P pretty ridiculous, but, but at least it sounds like he almost believes that God did make them yeah. that way. God made gay and lesbian people. It's just not his best work. Also, who isn't God's brightest anti-gay bigots? It's not, you know, God made anti-gay bigots, but they're not his brightest creations, understandably. No, no, no. We are, we are not equals, I guess. Uh, he, I like it also how he says, I'm not for gay marriage, but I'm not for discriminating against people either. Well, that's discrimination. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It just These basic tenets just seem completely lost on him. By the way, how does this guy pack a church with, with 40,000 people, most of whom give him money? That's really the concerning thing about America. Maybe he's got roller skating bears during his sermon. I don't know what he's got, but it, this, that's really the concern, isn't it, Natan, that a guy like this has 40,000 people listening to him weekly and giving him money for that? Yeah, it's funny. Like He has this uh, smirk on his face when he talks, and it, it almost seems, I'm just reading into it, I don't even know this guy, 
but it almost seems like he doesn't even buy what he's saying. He's just kind of doing it because he needs to, because maybe some higher authority in his uh, in the church hierarchy would uh, fire him or something. Yeah, who know? I mean, I think he's basically the guy in charge there. The other thing which I am forgetting, I, I'm not playing it, but someone on the live stream just reminded us of, there's another part in this interview where he says, listen, I was born straight, but people aren't born gay. So in his, so in other words, I guess he's subscribing to the, everyone's born straight and some people choose to be gay, which as we know is complete nonsense and has been widely debunked. But uh, that's as far as we're getting with Joel Osteen, I guess. Not surprising. You gotta be careful with this guy. Stay away. Stay far, far away. Yeah, right. This guy's probably making uh, millions of dollars a year. Oh, he is. It's not yeah. probably. It's widely known. It's better to feel pain than nothing at all. The opposite of love's Okay, what what do you think is the best thing, the thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches? Because we cover everything and we do it well. <laughs> Why do you think people watch the show? I think that it's a completely different angle. I don't think it's about being expansive or up to date. I think it's 99% of media that's out there is giving one story, it's giving a particular point of view, and it's also not covering certain stories. So I don't know that it's about being up to date or expansive. I think it's, it's a well, non- Well, that's what I said. We cover everything. Well, we don't cover everything, Lewis. How could we cover everything? We cover eight to ten stories. Everything important, pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Timothy Kurek is a straight Christian man. However, after one of his uh, friends came out as a lesbian, he decided that he would come out as gay, even though he's straight, just to experience what it's like to be a gay individual. Now, in the next vi video, he talks about his interaction with his female friend who came out and some of the torture she suffered from her own family. Let's take a look. And then I met a girl. Uh, she was a friend that I had no clue was in the closet until she broke down one night outside of karaoke and told me in tears that she had just come out to her family and had been brutally disowned. She had been excommunicated from her entire life and two words had changed it all. Two simple words, I'm gay. She confided in me, but my reaction wasn't any more loving than her parents. And after we parted ways, a funny thing happened. For the first time in my life, I was moved enough to question that little voice inside my head that told me that this precious girl crying on my shoulder wasn't abominable or scary or bad. Call it the Holy Spirit, call it a grand epiphany, but somehow in that moment, I knew that my life and my faith had wandered drastically off course. Okay, so as we're watching that video, I have to throw John under a bus because as soon as he started talking about the Holy Spirit, John's like... No, call it natural human empathy and warmth, maybe? I hear you, I hear you. A natural you. inclination to feel bad for people who are suffering. Right. I, I, but he's, he's a, he seems like a nice guy. So. He does seem like a nice guy. I got that and system. He actually decided to come out as gay, even though he's straight, because he wanted to experience what it's like to be a gay person. Yeah. Um, and he said mm. that 95% of his friends and family didn't want anything to do with him as a result. His mom said the following, 
I'd rather have found out from a doctor that I had terminal cancer than have a gay son. Now, That's hard. That's harsh. Extremely harsh. Now, she came to terms with it later and then became an advocate for the gay community, which I always find fascinating, right? Mm. If it's not a member of your own family, then it's okay to hate on the gay community. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you have a gay son, and you're like, mm, okay, I guess uh, yeah. I got to be more accepting, which is fine. I would much rather have her become more accepting than to remain a hateful individual. Yeah. Now, let's watch the next video where he talks about his experience. We live in a society in a country that claims to be civilized and modern and enlightened, but what I found was anything but. This book is about the story of my year. It's a story about loss, but also about profound gain. It's a story about a guy that thought he had his life and faith all figured out until something drastic happened that threw everything into question. It's a story about people, the people who saved my faith, but more importantly, the people that saved my life. It's about the moment that changed it all, the moment where the tables were turned and everywhere I went, I met Jesus in drag. So he went through this experience and in the beginning he was basically a homophobe. He felt that being gay was an abomination. Uh, he believed that you know you were going to go to hell, you were going to suffer eternal torture if you were gay and you didn't become straight. He would go around trying to you know convince, cure people, cure people exactly. Yeah. So if you have a religion that teaches you these things, and then you realize what the reality is, how do you maintain that faith, right? Because I, I understand. I grew up Christian, so. I fortunately was not exposed to fundamentalist Christianity. When I was in church, I learned about helping the poor. I learned about um, being a good member of society. I learned about morality, but not stupid morality, as in like you should hate everyone who isn't Christian and who doesn't believe in what you believe. Yeah. You know, just being a good person, helping those in need. That that was kind of drilled into my head growing up as a Christian. But I understand that there are churches out there that emphasize the hate, and that sounds like the kind of church he went to. So how do you maintain your religion and your belief when you've been brainwashed by this BS your entire life? Well, I mean, I think at the end you probably go to a different church. Mm -hmm. Like, he swayed his mom to, to reconsider, but I doubt 95% of his friends a year later are now suddenly in favor of homosexuality. Now, when we talk about Christianity in America, and I think that most people outside of America think of Christ, uh, Christian conservatives, basically, but there are huge liberal churches. Not in some parts of the country, but I'm from the East Coast, and that's, it's more common there. Like I grew up um, sometimes going to a Roman Catholic church, sometimes going to a Lutheran church, because um, I was raised Christian, um, and it was much more liberal. They never talked about homosexuality. Right. I didn't really pay attention that much anyway, but I don't remember hearing anything about homosexuality. Um, so he could end up going to a liberal church. Now, uh, when I first saw the headline that he comes out, I thought this was going to be like, you know, I pretended to be gay, and it's a den of sin and stuff like that, but I was very glad to see that it's very interesting. I think that people should read his book. I would like to. I probably in the end won't because I always say that I'm going to read a book and then I don't. But it seems interesting. Unless it's Harry Potter. Go ahead. I've already read those though. Uh -huh. uh, no, I'm mostly watching TV. But um, I do think it, it is very interesting. But the, the thing that I leave is like I have a lot of sympathy for what he went through and I, I love that, that he did this. But in the end, like he, he put all this work into probably becoming more of what we'd consider a liberal Christian. Liberal, liberal Christian. You don't need it, man. You can be empathic and care for these people and not try difficult, like over a year to get it to work with your faith. Just get rid of the faith and you have no reason to hate the people in the begin in the first place. I don't have a problem with his faith. Um, I I'm not I saying I do, but I'm saying that he could do what he did and just do it from a secular point of view. And it wouldn't be such a journey. It wouldn't be so difficult.
Okay, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I believe look, Jake doesn't agree with you. Okay, he. Agrees I with think you. he would agree with me in this um, case, actually. No, look, I, I believe that everyone should have whatever faith they believe in, right? If if you want to be a Christian, that's totally fine. My problem with religion is when people try to have their religion dictate the lives of others. And in mm -hmm. this case, he went through this social experiment for himself, for his own enlightenment, and he took away what he needed to take away from it. And I'm in favor of it. If he wants to remain a Christian, that's fine. And if you want to yeah, be I'm the type of Christian that, you know, or if you want to go to the type of Christian church that I went to when I was growing up where they emphasize the good elements of religion, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. You know, as long as you're not harming others, while believing what you believe, and that's totally fine. I thought love was only true in fairy tales Meant for someone else, but not for me Love was out to get me That's the way it seemed Disappointment haunted all my dreams And then I saw her face I'm a believer, not a trace of doubt in my mind. I'm in love. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried. This is exciting. Defensive Marriage Act defines marriage between a man and a woman, and it bars federal judges from recognizing same-sex marriages. Mm -hmm. So, which in turn means that. Uh, Same-sex couples are obviously missing out on tons of benefits that uh, straight couples, married couples, are get access to. Tax uh, benefits, medical, all this kind of thing. Well, seven lower courts have now struck down DOMA, the latest being uh, the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York. Uh, they ruled that DOMA is unconstitutional. Great. And that uh, you, you basically... Uh, it's unfair. You being gay people. Exactly. Gay people. For gay people, it's unfair. And this is an enormous, enormous decision. It's... it's. I read the brief. I The brief was pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it was like, um, we saw we... No, that wasn't the brief. But it was a two-to-one decision uh, from New York. And that included a Bush-appointed conservative judge. <gasps> really? Which just goes to show you that the tide is turning. That someone like that would say that it's unconstitutional. And so the that, times are changing. That's very, very exciting. That's so exciting. Yes. So I think... Are you, are you going to get married, do you think, now? You know, I they, well, something is at this point is definitely going to the Supreme Court, whether they kick it back, whether they go through with it, um, whether it's, it just becomes something that applies to California or federally. Who knows how they're going to treat it, but it definitely is going to the Supreme Court now. Mm -hmm. um, am I going to get married? You know, I used to say that there was absolutely no way I would ever get married. Really? Yeah. Um, I oh, think marriage is dead. It. I think it's a no, joke. No, it's the best. Well, lately, coming from a divorced woman, but lately I've been thinking that maybe I could. Maybe I would. Yeah. We'll see. You just have to find someone to put up with all your bucket of bullshit. Well, because the, oh, the, th the way I figure is like I need an inheritance. And it's like if my parents, you know, like my your parents, parents are very wealthy. No, they're not. They do okay, but they're not very wealthy. They do fine for themselves. But I need someone to marry so that I can don't so I'm going to so that I can kill them. So are uh -huh. recorded, so you might slice well. open their no. throat, no. and then I'll do like a whole life insurance scheme, and then I'll get that money. 
you know what I mean? Because then I realized if you do life insurance scheme, it doesn't even really matter if like they're poor or not. You just take out a huge policy. But that's a but red flag if you do that. It. No, I can't. Yes, it any is. Because last time I did that, when I murdered the person I used to be married yeah. to. What I did is I took out a $40 million life insurance policy. But here you are. Well, I know, but see, the thing is, is I got reverse sued. Oh, no. You know when, like, the family, after you murder the person you marry, they sue you because you've stolen all of their son's money or daughter or whatever your thing is, you know? Yes. Um, And what happened was... I did, however, I did, I got to keep $2 million. Oh, well, that's good. Where'd it, was, it go? It just, well, no, I save it because I like to live in a one bedroom apartment because I think it's bohemian. Yeah. You're it's very just, bohemian. I just don't want it. Like, I don't think I would get along with people in the hills. Mm-hmm. So I choose to rent. Got it. But that's what I'm saying. As an expert in this field of murdering people that you marry for money. Watch my step and cover my tracks. Yeah. And, and I would do, I have a lawyer that you should talk to beforehand. Great. Will do. So I just wanted to also describe, we need to, we'll take all that out, right? I just wanted to also describe this, uh, the sort of the trickle down of the tide turning. And this was something that actually you pointed out to me, Aaron, that happened on Twitter. Oh, my boobies. When I pointed my no, boobies and no, I go, no, no, no. check them out. Today, the hashtag signs yo son is gay uh, became very, very popular and people Tweeted everything under the rainbow for signs your son is gay. That's Most funny of them that being rainbow. yeah, right because we're talking about gay people. Most of them being like hashtag sign your son is gay. He's a faggot. Hashtag sign your son is gay. He likes dick. Like just really like offensive things. Yeah, and, you know um, that kind of thing. And it was mostly those. But then something really super crazy happened. So that hashtag was originally it was crazy sexy cool. What happened? It was crazy sexy cool. Um, instead of People keep saying negative things and and things like, you know, really making fun of gay people and just spreading the word faggot around the Internet and making that trend. Like we need faggot more on the Internet. Exactly. The hashtag was completely taken over by the other sides and um, by the other side in terms of like cool people started tweeting cool things. For instance, uh, some really exciting ones. Hashtag signs your son is gay. He continues to be the same person he's always been. Which is great. And that was from one called uh, Blush and Mumble. Another one, Signs Your Son is Gay. He appropriates your shitty homophobic hashtags. Incidentally, he employs better grammar and spelling than you do. (laughs) Which is great. Uh, Signs Your Son is Gay. He's the only wizard Voldemort fears. (laughs) Which is great. Signs Your Son is Gay. He's in a happy relationship with his partner of 10 years, hoping the state will let him marry him soon. Oh, someone else. There were a couple of these about the um, um, deciphering codes to to, um, crush the Nazis. Oh really? There was some gay. Oh, that's great. Code code de, uh, code decipher. I don't know. And then Dave Holmes. Okay, relax. Uh, it's okay. It's gonna be okay. And then Dave Holmes tweeted a really cool one. The terror and uh, signs your son is gay. The terror and isolation he experienced in his youth have turned him into a strong, independent, and compassionate man. Oh, so like, way to go, internet. Yeah, the internet does great things. I love when the internet's like, no, this is wrong. We'll fix it exactly. from our chairs. So I guess like this was just sort of like a great way to sort of, you know, start the week and all that. that oh, like, I disagree. I think the best way really? to start the week. Yeah. Here's what I think. An omelet with every vegetable that's oh. in season. Mm-hmm. So you have to get a big pan for this, right? I, I, I don't want to hear a recipe omelet, right now. Ketchup on top. Disgusting. Eat that in. Uh, so I, the hour, healthiest omelet you can find with ketchup on top. Yeah, and cheese. Got it. You go to the gym, you do an hour on the elliptical. 
right after you get nauseous you decide you're gonna do some push-ups and then you throw up at the gym okay can i you've purged yourself Mm. of the disgusting thing that you've tried to sabotage your week with it's talking about sabotaging something uh i just want to say to um listen i get down a lot uh, what do you mean get down a lot? I get down. No, I get down like funky, like at parties and stuff like that. I do a real fun dance. You do. I do you, the cabbage patch mixed with the running man mixed with slide. Do you want to talk about the last time I asked you to go to a music concert with me? Uh, what did I say? No, I don't do that. <laughs> That's right. I don't do concerts, but I've actually never seen you dance when, oh, cause I'm terrible. And I was made fun. The last time I danced was at your fucking dance party. And I was made fun of with the, with the guy that I took with me there. Who made fun of you? Yeah. The guy you're dating. Yes. Just but made out of in love. A, yeah, in a sweet way, but was just like, wow, I've, I've, uh, I would never have imagined that you were a a good dancer, which you're not, but b that you would dance like that. And I was well, like, you're no Pete. I know, I'm no Pete. Uh, but um, very exciting, and uh, it I is think really this is, exciting, especially with these elections coming up November. What 6th. elections? November 6th, there are four uh, marriage initiatives on the ballots in four states. Um, so prop thirty two. I don't know. There's, it's four different ones. We got to look it up. Yeah, but I know it's Maine, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Washington. No, yeah, and I don't remember the fourth. What? The, I'm an idiot. I don't remember. No, the you're not. Not not for that. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um. So anyway. Uh. No, we were done. We we're totally get done. out there and. Uh, no, we were done. Get out there, guys, we were done about and five celebrate ago. and. Uh, you know, um, I think I think, I think we were done. yeah. Go get you, we're gonna get married no, now soon. You're still and, doing um, it. But we were done. Like we, we uh, had a great ending, and then and, you just uh, kept for talking. For all of you who need someone to preside over your wedding you an and uh, you give you double hand jobs, which we're I think done. I've always thought would be nice at a wedding, I'll do it. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. It's a nice day There's an Expedia commercial that's creating some controversy. Last week, Expedia posted a commercial about a father attending his lesbian daughter's wedding and accepting her sexuality. Now, the description from the YouTube video says, every trip is unique. On this trip, Artie Goldstein travels across the country to attend his daughter's same-sex wedding, a journey that will test him, challenge him, and ultimately change him in unexpected ways. Now, the video at this point has over 2 million views. Let me play just a little bit of it to give you a sense of what it is. Again, this is an advertisement for travel booking website Expedia. You have to make a decision. Are you going to have a daughter that you are going to maintain a very wonderful relationship for the rest of your life? Or are you going to lose that child? This was a situation that I had to come to understand. 
Once we got out to California and we saw how happy they were, all that trepidation just seemed to go away. All right. Now, of course, conservatives are completely fired up, saying they're going to boycott Expedia and instead use Travelocity in orbits. They're completely flipping out. Now, funny that a lot of them don't realize that orbits and Travelocity are also pro-LGBT rights, but putting, up, putting that ridiculousness aside... This is not a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to get over this nonsense in your minds that there's anything unusual here. Why is this even controversial? It's an ad for a travel company which wants to make money by having people book flights and hotels and, and, and uh, uh, sightseeing and rental cars on their website. Now, I actually don't use Expedia only because usually there's better deals to be had by using other uh, ways of searching, but this actually would make me more likely to support Expedia, even though hopefully in the future this is just a non-issue. It doesn't make people more or less likely to support Expedia. It's just, it's just the law. There's a quality. That's it. Yeah. Um, and this really is, is more of a mini documentary than a, than a commercial. It's really an internet commercial. I mean, it's not something that's fit for air on TV. It's yeah. over three minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, people are going to flip out over this and uh, whatever. I mean, this commercial pretty much has no effect on me. But uh, yeah. As it is, you're not a big Expedia guy, right? Well, I mean, I mean, the site I use searches through lots of different websites and sometimes it ends up that Expedia is the one I go with. There you go. Because it relays me to it. But uh, whatever. Well, congratulations. God bless. It's a, it's a very well done commercial. It is very good well done. Good production value. Very, I mean, who good. knows if it's even real? This is a commercial. They could be all actors. Very well. Could be. Uh, which I believe they most likely are. Is the guy's name really Artie Goldstein? I don't know. I mean, this is not how a documentary is typically filmed. Uh, I don't know. Just It looks like it's a commercial and like these are actors and that it's all staged, but that's just me. There you go. Black cabin Republicans are the hilariously named Republican group uh, that are gay Americans. So, so they're gay and they're Republicans. Okay. So now, why? They say, well, you know, uh, you can be gay and still have conservative economic principles. Well, is that true? Of course it's true. Uh, the, your sexual orientation has uh, no effect on what you think of economic principles or foreign policy. So you can be conservative in other ways, obviously, right? Now, the question is, can you still support... Republican candidates, though, who say, hey, look, I agree with you on tax policy. I'm just as greedy as you are. I want tax cuts for the rich. I'm just as much of a warmonger as you are. I'd like to start another disastrous war in the Middle East. And if you're gay and you agree with those positions, maybe you want to vote for those guys. But can you vote for them, given that they say, I don't believe that you are the equal of other U.S. citizens. I don't think you should have the same rights. Whether it's marriage or other rights, and the Republican Party, of course, fought uh, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they're in favor of the Defense Marriage Act, and the list goes on and on. So, and obviously they're against gay marriage. And they've been against gay rights forever now, right? So how can you vote for a guy who says, yeah, 
I'm, I'm with you on the other stuff, but I don't really think you're a full person with full citizenship rights. You don't get all the rights that I do and my friends do. Okay. Can you vote for that guy? Oh, look, come on. Of course you can't vote for that guy. Unless you're sellouts like the log cabin Republicans. Now, Barney Frank called them Uncle Toms, and they were just aghast. How could you? And so what did they do after Barney Frank called them that? They endorsed Mitt Romney, who's totally against gay marriage and all the gay rights that they're fighting for today. So here's their statement. Despite our disagreement with Governor Romney on the issue of marriage, on balance, it is clear that today's economic climate, concern for the future of our country, must be the highest priority. Now, think about this. Imagine during the Civil Rights era and during Jim Crow, etc., African Americans were like, well, you know, uh, I really like Strom Thurmond, who, by the way, ran as the head of the Segregationist Party at one point for president, right? I really like Strom Thurmond's uh, points about the tariffs. I think we should have a couple more tariffs. And uh, I, I like his ideas on interstate commerce. Oh, right, he doesn't think that I should have any rights, and I should drink from a separate water fountain, and that if I enter a pool that white people are in, they will have to obviously clear out all the water, clean the pool, and then refill it, and make sure that black, another black person never enters it. But, God, his point on tariffs is a good one. I think I'm going to vote with him. You see, that, that would make you an Uncle Tom. Okay, that would make you also, by the way, a little mentally deficient. Because you are giving away your rights, your core constitutional rights, because you kind of like their policies in other regards. And when you look back in history, was that the right move? <laughs> Suffice it to say, that would not have been the right move. So now, gay Americans that are in the log cabin Republicans, basically, keep it real. What they're saying is, we love money. We're so greedy, you can do anything to us. You can even take away our rights and make us less uh, 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 a citizen with less rights than other citizens, as long as give me the tax cuts, give me the tax cuts, yes! Are they Uncle Tom's? Of course they're Uncle Tom's! If you don't have a crazy old uncle who says crazy stuff all the time, he's there. This is Pat Robinson's for you, right? <laughs> he's like that for everybody. So he's talking about, well, let's just play the videotape. It's self-explanatory. The left wants a dictatorship where only their views are permitted. They don't want freedom. They don't want people to express their views. They don't want that. They want a dictatorship where they control, which, of course, is what you had in communism. The small group ran the government for their ends and for the ends of their friends. And that's what the gays want. They want everything now in their favor. They say we've, quote, been discriminated too long. But I tell you who's got the last word in this. God Almighty's there got you the go. last day. He's got the final vote. Absolutely. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. You know who's got the final word? The invisible man in the sky. That's who's got the final. He's going to vote. He doesn't actually. He votes absentee. Yeah. So uh, That's not among the craziest things he's ever said, but it's still kind of objectionable. Well, it's that thing of we just turn the world upside down on its head, and so black is white and white is black. What lefties want right now are dictatorships. Mm -hmm. You know how all the, the history of leftist dictatorships mm -hmm. of the world, you know, Pol Pot and Mussolini, Hitler, they're all leftist. So, you know, Occupy Wall Street is the most... <laughs> Most raw form Hippies, of all of them. Almost yes, the most raw form of leftyism in most recent history, and that could not have been less of a dictatorship. There, was, in fact, the problem was there was no leader. That that's what people said. The criticism of Occupy Wall Street was they don't have any leadership. That they're they're a pure democracy, which is why not enough stuff is getting done. Right? That, isn't that? Yeah. And so he just so, turned it upside down. It's that new thing they're doing too. You, uh, on Facebook, there's these pages about uh, these right wing pages about how, and they'll go, "Hey, it's the Democrats who are really racist. They're the ones who are the racists because Abraham Lincoln freed the slave." So it's just they take it and they turn it and they ignore that whole part of history when all the racists went to the Republican Party yeah. after LBJ passed civil rights. So they yeah. just and then it's so it's this again this parallel universe, right? This, this is what this is. He's making up a. Because it, that, uh, he would like it to be that way, yeah. it isn't that way. That makes him uncomfortable. So we'll just invent an alternate reality. Yeah. And that woman doesn't challenge him on that. Oh, a woman would never challenge Pat Roberts. No, that. he'd probably slap her on air. But well, I, that's what the Bible you, says. how uncomfortable must she be? She seems like kind of a nice person, I maybe a little bit reasonable. She has to sit next to that guy. And you made the analogy to him being like the crazy uncle. I think he's kind of like, I have kind of a, one of my grandfathers is kind of an old school racist actually. And oh, so yeah. I remember as a kid at like family dinners, he would start drinking and he'd start saying crazy things. And eventually we'd try to get him out of the room. Uh -huh. But the problem is that he's paying for dinner in this analogy. Like that's his <laughs> studio. You can't make him leave. He's just... He's going to die in a couple of years, I would have to imagine. But until then, he gets to say whatever crazy stuff he wants. He, he gets and the most offensive part, I don't think it's the leftist stuff. It's the what the gays want. They want everything in their favor. Everything. Like being able to marry each other if they're in love. Everything. The gays want everything in their favor. Yeah, except they want one thing. Stop discriminating thing. against them. <laughs> don't discriminate against them. That's all they want. They want everything in their favor. I said yeah. it's some kind of a contest. What, what is it? A shuffleboard contest? And they're like rigging. The, they just they want you to don't discriminate. That's all. Yeah. It's like if you go up to a kid and you just start punching him. He asks you to stop. Like, you want everything. Now he wants everything. Now I have to stop hitting you. First he says stop hitting me with the right fist. Now he wants me to stop with the left fist. No knees anymore. from Olympia, Washington. Uh, just calling in regards to your closing comments on climate change. I am uh, almost a week behind on the podcast, but I I really liked your response. To, yeah, facts. Uh, policy trumps facts. Uh, and it put me in mind of a very cool uh, political cartoon that um, my workplace, the director, uh, has on his uh, his wall is blown up to about four feet wide. This political chain showing a you know just very grumpy looking man in a suit, presumably uh, Republican or whatnot, and he's raising his fist and demanding, "Well, what if climate change is a hoax and we make the world a better place for no reason?" And yeah, so same same. Anyhow, uh, stay out, dude.
Hey, Jay, this is Spencer calling from Louisiana. I'm a couple episodes behind, but I just listened to the phone call from, I believe, Jim from Cleveland, and I just wanted to say he could not be more right. He spoke about pigeonholing people as liberals and just being dismissive and focusing on opinions instead of facts. And uh, this is uh, something that's pretty prevalent where I live. I probably live in one of the most conservative cities in the country, and this is a constant complaint of mine. People are so focused on ideology now that it's almost like they treat their party or, or what have you almost like a sports team. It's not about what's really going on. It's about their team winning. And this is irresponsible and, quite frankly, frightening to me. I mean, he, people don't worry about facts. I mean, I've had conservative friends show me charts of the economy, uh, just even say from Reagan to Obama, and it's, it's, it's completely wrong. And you can look up the real one on, you know, government sites. And I just say to them, my God, wouldn't you just rather know the truth? Somebody obviously saw the truth and altered this to make it seem not the way it was, but what is the point of that? We just, we've got to get away from this, this unrelenting partisan bias. It's hurting this country more than anything. But I just wanted to respond to that. Thanks, Jay. Love the show. Hi, my name's Mike. I'm a huge fan of the show. I just wanted to leave a message saying why I thought Romney's binder comment was so absurd. I agree that the sheer fact that he said women were in binders is being taken out of context, but the thing that was so shocking to me was that what he said he did as governor of Massachusetts was install some sort of the same policies that he's against for African Americans. So what he was doing was he was saying that, you know, there are men that were applying for this job, and even though they may be the most qualified, we need to find some women. And that's totally against the Republican policy on affirmative action, which is essentially the same thing that he's arguing. So I just thought that the hypocrisy there was what really was ridiculous about his statement. Um, so yeah, great job with the show, and uh, I look forward to the next one. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So first of all, for those of you keeping track, the uh, schedule of the show got thrown off just a bit by the uh, one-two punch of, uh, first of all, Hurricane Sandy hitting you know the entire East Coast, including Washington, D.C., where I live. So hunkering down for that, followed immediately by me uh, taking off for a planned trip to visit family, made it a little harder than I thought it would be to uh, stick to the show's schedule. So there's a little bit of a hiccup there, but not to worry. You know, I'm okay. I think everything's okay. And uh, we'll be back to normal soon. But uh, speaking of Hurricane Sandy, uh, I'll just tell you like the one thing that stuck out to me was, uh, you know, one meteorologist on one channel once said this and it stuck in my mind. He, he was talking about how, uh, you know, big and intense and unique this storm is really emphasizing how unique it was and how this is a once in a lifetime storm and we'll never see anything like this for, uh, you know, as long as he lives. And he was very confident of that. And I just thought to myself, you know, has he not been listening to the uh, climate scientists predicting more extreme weather and that more and more extreme weather would become the norm? I just wouldn't go on record saying that this sort of thing 
isn't going to keep happening on a more regular basis as we go forward. So that just stuck in my mind and I thought I would share it. Uh, but uh, along those lines, I wanted to reiterate uh, something that I've been promoting and, and will continue to promote uh, for a little while to come. Uh, 350.org, in, in my opinion, the uh, the best climate change uh, action organization in the world that, I, that I've uh, ever come across is doing a new tour and uh, so I, uh, I want to tell you about that. It starts on November 7th. They're going to several cities all around the United States. So you can go to math.350.org to get the details on that. And I just want to read uh, what they are saying about their own event. They say that on November 7th, 350.org is hitting the road to jumpstart the next phase of the climate movement. It's simple math. We can burn 565 more gigatons of carbon dioxide and stay below 2 degrees centigrade of warming. Any more than that risks catastrophe for life on Earth. The only problem, fossil fuel corporations now have 2,795 gigatons in their reserves, five times the safe amount and they're planning to burn it all unless we rise up and stop them. This November, Bill McKibben and 350.org are hitting the road to build the movement that will change the terrifying math of the climate crisis. And when you get deeper into the strategy of their new movement that they're pushing, it is a divestment strategy. They want to actually financially punish companies that are carbon dangerous and uh, have negative impacts on the climate and especially those who actually fund the propaganda campaign to attempt to discredit the climate change scientists. So I highly recommend you check this out. At the very least, check out 350.org and just stay tuned in to everything that they are up to. But if you'd like to check out the tour dates themselves, see if they are coming to your city, go to math.350.org. And as I mentioned before, I will actually be at the November 18th event in Washington, D.C. So, uh, you know, sh come show up. Uh, if you want to meet up, send me an email through the site and I I'd be happy to meet anyone who's planning on attending. So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening, especially thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations to the program. That is absolutely how the show survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Upon a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond flower